Welcome to the Recess Nurse Podcast, elevating emergency nursing one episode at a time. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Recess Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening and tuning in uh, for every new episode of the Recess Nurse Podcast. I'm asking if you can give me an iTunes review. Um, that would really make a huge difference for this podcast. And, you know, hopefully it's positive. If it's not, please contact me and I would love to hear what your concerns are and and we can go from there. So on to today's show. Today marks a really special episode because it is my first Ask a Doc episode. And no better to ask than my friend Ruben Strayer um, to come onto the show. Um, so Ruben agreed to go super in-depth on the subject of ketamine and its applications in the emergency department. So who's Ruben Strayer? Um, he's a white male who happens to eat really spicy food with grace um, no, in all seriousness, he's a very good emergency medicine doctor and author of EM updates. Um, he also gave an incredible talk back in 2015 at SMAC Chicago. Link is provided in the show notes. Um, and recently, Peter Brindley hilariously interrogated Ruben at the SMAC back in June on the subject of ketamine as well. So just as a little intro, um, if you're not familiar with ketamine, my suggestion is to listen to Ruben's Smack Chicago talk. He's got a lot of fun slides that go with it. Um, and then refer to the show notes throughout this interview. Uh, this talk got pretty in depth and long, so it's going to be broken up into three separate episodes. Um it will start off with an intro and then it's applications, uh, common applications in the emergency department. We will be talking about ketamine in conscious sedation, RSIs, uh, analgesia, and then also for violent patients. So definitely stay tuned. Ketamine is traditionally used as an anesthetic uh, in the OR. And in many emergency department units, it's also approved to be used for procedural sedation um, and also as an induction agent for RSIs. Um, we will be talking about off-label uses, including analgesia. Uh, so take note uh, because you should really know your own institution's policies. Um, and if you don't have one, then you might want to develop some. Something of note is that ketamine does come in different concentrations. If you are going to start using ketamine in these dosages, I find that the weaker concentrations, the single-use vials seem to work better than the multi-use vials um, because you're able, to, you're able to draw up what you need and you're able to administer it um, more safely and to minimize um, uh, some of the adverse effects. It's probably better to just keep one concentration of ketamine in your emergency department to prevent medication dosing errors. So you should also know that ketamine uh, is also used as a recreational drug. It's a street drug. So some street names are Special K, and it's not the weight loss breakfast cereal. 
Uh, KCAT, K vitamin C, and cat valium. Those are some common names. Uh, one of the major unwanted side effects of ketamine is its psychomimetic disturbances or psychiatric distress or KHO, which is the slang term. So Wikipedia has uh, a good definition of KHO. Um, it's a slang term for the subjective state of dissociation from the body commonly experienced after sufficiently high doses of the dissociative anesthetic ketamine. I prefer Urban Dictionary's definition, which is to have used too much of the drug ketamine, special K, and lost sense of time and space, balance, verbal skills. So essentially, um, when we give ketamine, they are stoned, uh, the patients are stoned out of their minds. So patients can either have a really good trip or a really bad trip. And I this is an important this is an important thing to take note on because pediatric nurses are extremely familiar with this medication because it's often used in conscious sedation and is a drug agent of choice due to its powerful dissociative anesthetic properties. Um but in in peds we always take the time to get our patients in a really good mood, right? Because they're they're cute and you're, you know, everyone, the providers, uh, the nurses, the techs, everyone comes and they're like, yo, it's, it's going to be okay. And we really baby them and they're in such a good mood. Plus they're kids, so they're easy to get into a good mood. We try to, you know, keep the environment nice and calm. And then, and then you give the ketamine and, you know, they're a little stoned, but they're so cute when they're stoned. Uh, and, and then, you know, you do your procedure. Let's say it's, um, I don't know, like a shoulder dislocation. And then and then they come out of it. They're fine. We mo- we continue to monitor them very well, just as any con- conscious sedation. Um, and then and, and generally it's totally fine. And 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 then they go home. So now in adults, we could be doing the same procedure. We could um, we could be doing a conscious sedation, and we can do this uh, the same shoulder reduction. But usually, um, in adults, the patient will come in and they're screaming, they're cursing at you, and it's already loud and busy in the ED. There's nothing you can do about the latter half. But don't let these patients um, get you in a bad mood because uh, if you're going to use ketamine on these patients, I, I mean, the last thing you want to do is get them in a bad mood. Just trust me, it's just going to be so much worse for you in the long run. Um, so we in adults really need to take that time to get our patients to calm down. And it's so hard because they're adults and they're like, you know, I, I know I'm an adult. Don't treat me like a child. So, you know, the best the best method um, I found is uh, that whole therapeutic communication really goes a long way here. Um, you know, so they're going to come in and they're going to be like, ah, I'm in a lot of pain. Uh, fix this, you know. So you get your x-ray and and you're going to tell them to say, hey, um, you know, your shoulder, it's dislocated. You must be in so much pain. We're going to give you medication that's going to help you forget about this pain. Um, but it's you're going to have an out-of-body experience with this medication. So I want you to think about something that, you know, you someplace you'd rather be. Um, and this is important because the time that we put into this um, for a patient to kind of calm down, it would really help them to go into a good high. Um, and 
if you don't and you give the medication and they're screaming and you're just like, oh, I'm going to give the medication, um, you know, you may be able to bypass it um, to do the procedure, but there, um, at some point, um, they are going to have a really, really bad high and they're going to come out. It's going to scare the crap out of the patient. They're going to feel like they're dying. Uh, like whatever, whatever thought is going into their mind, they are experiencing it in their own reality. So, um, so they can literally be screaming, I'm dying, I'm dying. And, you know, and, and, and it's awful because, you know, it scares the patient one, um, and it's a psychological trauma. And it's psychological trauma for us, for nurses and also the doctors and, you know, any other patients that are around your busy ED. So, um, so just, so just keep this in mind. Um, in adults, we need to kind of step back and just give them a little bit of some, you know, nice therapeutic communication and can go a really long way. Um, so, um, in this interview, we are also going to talk about how to mitigate these unwanted psychomimetic disturbances. Um, and, and hopefully you can use these techniques in your, in your own, um, ED. So I just want to give a little bit of a fair warning. Uh, Ruben and I, we both live in New York city and there may be some sirens in the background. You know, I, it's, Sorry, but it's part of living in the city and I did my best with the editing, but on the most part, I think the audio will be pretty clear. Okay, so now on to the interview. Hey, Ruben. Hey. So thanks for coming on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about ketamine, one of your favorite topics. It is. Um, so can you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm an emergency physician. Uh, I am from Texas, but um, I live and work in New York City, and I've been living and working in New York City for about 10 years in uh, mostly inner city public uh, emergency departments. Uh, now I work at Maimonides Hospital uh, deep into Brooklyn, which is great. You also have a really awesome website, EM Updates, um, that has a lot of great information. And Ruben also, you. you're welcome. So today we're going to base a lot of questions off of an amazing talk that you did um, at the Smack Chicago. So you had labeled it a ketamine brain talk. And I think today we're, we're going to go on like a little special K trip with you. <laughs> Fabulous. Tell us why we should be using ketamine. Um, I know there's like a lot of applications that's more than just your generic applications. Um, so what is so amazing about ketamine? Um, ketamine is a really unique uh, agent. It's an analgesic in low dose. And then as uh, you move up the ketamine brain continuum, it becomes a dissociative anesthetic, which uh, completely isolates the, the brain from all external stimuli while uh, your basic reflexes um, are preserved. So your airway reflexes are preserved and your um, breathing apparatus is all intact. Uh, your cardiorespiratory tone is normal or augmented, but uh, you receive no information from the outside um, when you're in a dissociated state. So that means that 
you can perform extremely painful procedures. You can do an appendectomy, bowel resection, whatever you need to do, uh, heart surgery uh, with uh, ketamine in dissociative doses. The patient will not see anything, hear anything, feel anything, remember anything. And that you can achieve this state at the same time that the patient continues to protect their airway, continues to breathe, continues to maintain their uh, blood pressure and organ perfusion. It's a pretty remarkable pharmacologic miracle. It definitely, I would say, is a bit of a miracle. Uh, so it's it has a relationship to PCP. How does that affect our uses in ketamine? You had mentioned a... Um, how it affects the brain, uh, what are some side effects of ketamine? Uh, ketamine has a number of adverse effects. It is related very closely to PCP fencyclidine um, and was invented or synthesized as a response to uh, fencyclidine, which was developed in the 50s by Park Davis um, as a dissociative anesthetic uh, and was used, and I believe is uh, continues to be used uh, in veterinary medicine. The trade name is Serenol, and it very effective uh, as a dissociative anesthetic. The problem was that you had these horrendous uh, episodes of emergence delirium that were very long lasting. So they played around with the structure a bunch and ended up with a close congener, um, which is ketamine. Um, which has a ketone and an amine group on it, hence the name. And uh, that's where ketamine comes from. But it's very, very similar to PCP. And the side effect, the adverse effect that most people are focused on when ketamine is being used, especially in dissociative doses, is psychiatric distress uh, on emergence. When the patient is coming out of dissociation, and passing back through the other phases of the ketamine brain continuum, which is my term, but um, in particular, partial dissociation uh, is when patients can freak out. And this is not dangerous, but is very distressing both to the patient and to staff when it happens. So it's very important for anyone uh, man, uh, giving ketamine, managing a patient who's been given dissociative dose ketamine, that they understand what. Uh, emergent psychiatric distress looks like and how to manage it. Can you walk us through the ketamine brain continuum? Sure. So uh, ketamine starts out in very low dose, let's say 10 milligrams in a normal-sized adult in what I call the analgesic phase of the ketamine brain continuum. In the analgesic phase, ketamine will have minimal psychoperceptual effects, but uh, will have a very powerful uh, analgesic effects as you move uh, further up the ketamine brain continuum, let's say you move into the next phase, uh, you give, let's say, 20 or 30 milligrams in a normal-sized adult, especially as a push, as like a bolus, then you enter into what I call the recreational phase. In the recreational phase, the patient will be very well analgesed, but will be stoned, um, maybe hallucinating and have a variety of sort of psychoperceptual disturbances, but in the recreational phase, they have a full grip of reality. They know what's happening. They're conversing with you. They're walking around. They understand that they've been given a psychotropic drug. And if they're bothered by some of the psychoperceptual effects, you can generally just talk them through it and 
uh, and it, it usually isn't much of a problem. Um, in fact, some people will love the recreational phase of ketamine. Uh, indeed, ketamine is used recreationally for this purpose. When you push the dose still higher, uh, however, you end up in what I call partial dissociation. In partial dissociation, you have enough synapses connected so that uh, you still have awareness and consciousness, but not enough synapses are connected. You're mostly disconnected, and what that means is that uh, the patient in partial dissociation may feel as though they are out of their body, that they have died and are sort of looking down on their body or the world. They may not be able to speak or see uh, or hear or move. These capabilities may fade in and out. And while some will do well in partial dissociation and, and not be too bothered by it, there are some who will find the feeling of being completely disconnected from their bodies and reality to be terrifying. Um, psychiatric emergence distress, psychiatric distress occurs during partial dissociation. We don't see psychiatric distress on induction because if you give a dissociative dose of ketamine, let's say you give two milligrams per kilogram IV, you immediately dissociate the patient. You bypass the analgesic, recreational, and partial, disso partial dissociation phases of the ketamine brain continuum. Immediately you enter into full dissociation. And in full dissociation, um, uh, you're completely disconnected and also unconscious. So uh, you perceive no stimuli, as I mentioned earlier. You don't hear anything, see anything, feel anything, know anything. Uh, but you're also not, you have no awareness, so you're completely unconscious. And so patients who are fully associated are not bothered. Uh, they're not psychiatrically distressed because they're fully dissociated. And as I mentioned, you can bypass analgesic recreational and partial dissociation um, on the way up because you can give a full dissociative dose and immediately affect dissociation. But you cannot prevent the patient from passing back through the other phases of the ketamine brain continuum as they metabolize ketamine, as they emerge from ketamine dissociation. And that is why psychiatric distress occurs on emergence, because as the patient metabolizes from dissociation, they will pass through the partial dissociation phase where they regain awareness. They know they're alive again, but uh, they're still very disconnected from uh, normal sensations. And again, some will find that terrifying. Uh, which is why you see some people freak out during partial dissociation on emergence. All right. Well, that was a really, really, really great um, explanation of how uh, ketamine is different uh, to, to the patient based on the dosing. What happens if you overdose? I mean, is it possible to overdose on ketamine? You give too much ketamine to a patient. What happens? Uh, that's a great question. There's, you can't really overdose in the sense that once you're dissociated and you, you sort of pass the threshold of dissociation, higher doses of ketamine do not make you more dissociated. You, the higher doses of ketamine just prolong the duration of action. And we know this um, based on some rather heroic uh, therapeutic misadventures that have occurred over the years. Uh, Steve Green many years ago published a case series of described overdoses 
Ketamine is available in a variety of concentrations and many departments, for better or worse, stock more than one concentration of ketamine, which leads to these sort of amazing dosing errors. And uh, one particularly notable case was uh, uh, a young person, I think nine years old or 12 years old or something like that, who um, instead of getting one milligram per kilogram IV, got 100 milligrams per kilogram um, IV, which is a pretty incredible overdose. Uh, consider you know, other drugs that you might give 100 times the intended effect, uh, dose. Uh, it's hard to imagine that that would not have devastating effects for, for most drugs. Um, and what happened to this particular patient was basically nothing. Uh, he was dissociated for many, many hours and then woke up and was fine. So ketamine is, has an extraordinary uh, margin of safety. The safety piece with ketamine is very straightforward, and, and that is that um, patients who get dissociative doses can have uh, apnea and hypoventilation. They can develop apnea and hypoventilation, and that means that any patient who is not intubated and is dissociated. So, for example, a procedural sedation patient who gets a dissociative dose of ketamine, that patient needs to be monitored very closely with an airway-capable provider at bedside ready to intervene if hypoventilation develops. That's the most important safety piece for ketamine. Uh, patients who get dissociative dose ketamine can also develop hypertension and tachycardia. In fact, they routinely develop hypertension and tachycardia. This is almost never a concern in at least in emergency department-based procedural sedation, but sometimes can be a concern. And there is a nice case report out of my institution where um, a middle-aged person with a number of comorbidities got dissociative dose ketamine and developed um, severe acute pulmonary edema and actually arrested from it. So um, it's out there. And if you're managing a patient you think is at risk for um, hypertensive pulmonary edema or other untoward effects of hypertension, then uh, ketamine may not be the best agent, or you should give other agents to attenuate the hypertensive effects, the hypertensive effects of uh, ketamine. These airway breathing circulation problems that you see with ketamine do not occur at low dose. So a patient who, for example, gets an analgesic dose of ketamine, like 10 milligrams or 20 milligrams in a normal-sized adult, that patient is not at risk for any sort of hemodynamic compromise and does not require monitoring. So ketamine overall is safe to use, but the most important part is just if if something bad happens, it will most likely, we're talking about airway. Um, so you really need to have someone who can intubate quickly if something goes wrong. Yeah. In a dissociated patient who is not intubated, uh, there needs to be someone uh, at bedside continuously um, who, number one, is closely watching ventilation to make sure the patient is still breathing normally. And if the patient develops hypoventilation, that provider must be capable of performing airway maneuvers uh, to uh, restore ventilation, uh, including airway positioning, jaw thrust, um, bag mass ventilation, and uh, rarely endotracheal intubation. Okay, so this is the end of part one with Ruben on ketamine. Stay tuned for the second part of this ketamine talk with Ruben, where we're really going to go into detail about using ketamine for procedural sedation 
and also for intubations. Once again, if you like what you're hearing, please write a review in iTunes. Uh, It will make a huge difference. So until the next episode, peace. You've just listened to an episode of the Recess Nurse Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Check out the website, recessnurse.com, for show notes, a place to leave your comments, and start a conversation. You can also follow me on iTunes, Twitter, and Facebook. 